Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. All right, welcome again for our next interview. We have Katie Goss and Andrew Dettelbach, a power couple in the health and wellness industry and good friends of ours. We're super excited to interview them about hypermobility, along with other things, but both of them have had their movement journeys significantly impacted by hypermobility and more specifically EDS or Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is just a specific type of hypermobility that they're going to talk a little more into. But Andrew, who has his background with a master's in biomechanics, really learned a lot about movement when he had a debilitating and severe back injury with a disc herniation. And he's going to talk about kind of where his hypermobility played into that and how that helped teach him so much about his movement now and how he educates his clients and people in movement. Now, Katie, on the other hand, has a background as a critical care nurse And she learned so much about her hypermobility disorder through pregnancy and how some of the postpartum issues she was having, specifically with some of the pelvic floor issues. And she's going to talk a lot more into that. So stick around. There's so many good tidbits in here. And these two are going to talk a little bit more about what they're doing with their new company, Wealth, which is basically W with health, to teach us all about how our wealth is truly pertinent into how much we put into our health. So stick around. All right, Katie and Andrew, we're so excited to have you on today. Two movers that we just learned so much from, and we've been getting so many questions about hypermobility. And I know that you two in both of your own movement journeys have gone through a lot with hypermobility and learning what that means about in your body. But before we dive into that, can you tell the viewers a little bit just about yourselves and what you guys do? Hey, guys. First of all, uh, thank you for having us on here for this topic. It's something that we've been learning a lot about ourselves. So uh, who are we? I am Andrew Dettelbach. Uh, people call me the shirtless dude because I always have a shirt off on social media. Uh, it is not always, I, I probably wear a shirt 75% of my life. So <laughs> 50 at least. 50. And Katie over here, you talk yeah, about my yourself. My name is Katie Goss. Um, my background mm-hmm. is in nursing and um, transitioned away from medical field into Pilates and now helping people online. That's awesome. I have a degree in kinesiology. I worked on building a business that helped several thousand people and had uh, connected with millions of people on the internet and helped to transform a lot of people's lives in that regard, just sharing the information that, that I've learned through my life and how all the things that I've learned teaching other people. You guys continue to help so many people with what you post all the time. And like Dom said, we learn a ton from you guys. So we're just super honored to be able to have you on the podcast. And Katie, you know, coming from your Pilates background, I recognize like the movement that you do and all of that because I taught for six years as well. So I just... I really resonated with that. But I do want to just, you know, let's dive right in. Like, what is hypermobility? Like, how can someone diagnose that? And what does that really mean? Yeah. So um, first of all, likewise, thank you. We have learned a lot from both of you as well. So hypermobility is, there's definitely a spectrum with it. And EDS stands for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And that is on the more extreme end of the spectrum. There's just benign joint hypermobility, which is, you know, joint hypermobility that generally doesn't have any issues associated with it. 
Um, and there's joint hypermobility syndrome, which is more associated with, um, you know, subluxations or dislocations, more kind of joint injuries, pain, labral tears, things like that. The, the interesting thing is that the difference in the, the collagen in someone who's hypermobile impacts every system in the body. So a lot of people mm. think of it just in terms of, you know, flexi, bendy joints, but Mus- it goes, yeah, musculoskeletal. It goes far beyond that um, and has sometimes very severe impacts um, on everything from the GI system to the vascular system to eyesight, dental, nervous system. So it really, really does impact the entire body. So for me, um, finding out that I had it really kind of made a light bulb go off with a lot of other issues that I had been dealing with over the years in my body. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I've, I've had injuries through in every joint of my body. So people have probably heard about a lower back injury that I've had, and I'll explain more about that. But I've also experienced a lot of dental issues. I've had about 25 mm. cavities in my adult teeth, regardless mm. of my flossing, brushing, eating habits. Uh, it's just, they're, they're always there. And the reason is because the connective tissue in, in all of the areas of my body is just very lax. And in this case, my teeth are more porous. So they actually just collect more of the bad stuff than a normal tooth would. Um, Same for my eyesight. It continues to get worse because my eye is actually elongating. It's stretching, and that's obviously changing the optics of my eye, as well as just vascular tissue. So my blood pressure is generally significantly lower than average because I have stretchier vessels, and you can actually see the whole left side of my body has something that looks like varicose veins, but it's actually just that the veins are very stretchy on the left side of my body. So there's a lot of just different things that go along with EDS than just being stretchy, which you'll also see that I'm incredibly flexible and it's easy for me to gain flexibility, but there are downsides to that. Yeah, there are also um, different subtypes of EDS. Um, And to answer the question about diagnosis, it's something that is underdiagnosed to my understanding. um, Mm -hmm. And it's something that a lot of general practitioners are not very knowledgeable about. Some rheumatologists um, are able to diagnose it. Otherwise, a geneticist can diagnose it. So if it's something that someone suspects is an issue for them, asking for a referral to either a rheumatologist who is familiar with connective tissue disorders or a geneticist um, can be helpful. And then they really just do a very, very thorough intake, history, physical exam. um, And then they run you through a series of tests, which is you know, measuring the uh, flexibility and range of joints and, you know, looking inside your mouth and your teeth and your eyes and just, uh, there's something called the Baton scale, which is a a scoring um, test that they do of of your hypermobility. Wow. So you pointed out a lot of different things that I think are super important. Just one, the difference between kind of this benign you know, whatever idiopathic uh, joint hypermobility, just joint by joint versus a systemic type of hypermobility that actually is affecting systemically all the collagen and all of the different connective tissue. And just that this is a spectrum and that you can land anywhere on the spectrum and that there are ways that we might need to address this physically with our mobility, as I know you both do. But again, talking about all these other systems of the body that I don't think anybody thinks of when you think of hypermobility, or like you said, the far end of the spectrum, which is EDS, that 
it affects our digestion, our eyes, our teeth. I think it's very important that you you guys share a little bit of your story from those other systems to help just show that, hey, if you're a very mobile person, it might be important to start looking for somebody who can actually test this type of thing and say, yeah, these things you've been dealing with in your digestion, in you know your dental health might have to do with your mobility also. Could, could you guys share a little bit about when exactly you got diagnosed or started looking into this as the EDS or the mobility side of things? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I noticed that it was an issue after the birth of my second child. Um, I had a uterine prolapse and that is something that typically does not occur in young women, um, especially if there was no traumatic birth, no use of forceps, um, which mine was not. It was a very uneventful, fast, easy labor. Um, and I began asking questions about why, you know, why, why did this happen to me? It doesn't make any sense. I don't have any of the criteria. And, you know, I wasn't really getting straight answers and had done a lot of my own research and digging in and had found this Baton score test and uh, had done it on myself and was like, wow, yeah, I've always been pretty, pretty hypermobile. And, and then I'd asked for the referral to the geneticist and, um, you know, was diagnosed that way. But what ultimately happened was I had a six hour pelvic reconstructive surgery. Um, mm-hmm. So a uterine prolapse is when the uterosacral ligaments, which hold the uterus in place, they stretch out and then they don't, there's no recoil with them. Um, and so the uterus actually descends down into the vagina. Um, and so I ended up having a partial hysterectomy. And at that time they found that actually my small intestines um, were also prolapsed, which is called an enterocele. Um, and then I had a ventral hernia as well um, and a hiatal hernia. So all of those herniations like that are also associated with connective tissue disorders. They can be much more prevalent in people with connective tissue disorders. So that was how how I found out and how I got diagnosed. Yeah, and Katie uh, saw me on the internet and was like, hey, you're kind of stretchy and bendy and you do a lot of party tricks is what they call it in the EDS community. So me being able to just completely twist my arm around and stick my, my belly, my diaphragm out and walk around on my toes all weird. So those are considered party tricks. I'm very flexible in those areas, and I don't ever feel any stretching when I do those movements. And she said, I think you should go see a geneticist and get tested for Marfan's syndrome, which... It's a connective tissue disorder, but it has to do more with the vascular system. But my concern, my background was in cardiac nursing. So my concern was that when I met Andrew, he was six foot five, he's very large. And that's one of the defining characteristics of Marfan's is that they're typically very tall. Um, so just between the hypermobility and the height, I was like, I think it's worth just getting checked out. And that's, Marfan's one of those things where people's, the, the aorta might just sporadically rupture. explode and rupture and you, you just die. So she's like, I think you should just go get tested and see if you have this because there are preventative measures for it. And I was like, all right. So I went to the geneticist. He said, there's no way in hell you have that. That's not your issue. You do have uh, connective tissue issue, if you will. And um, so he did all the, the different tests on me and talked to me about it. And he told me, he said, you should never lift weights again. You should, you know, stretch and uh, do like yoga and all this stuff. Swimming. Swimming, very low impact things. And that with my background and, and understanding how 
growth and tissue works. That didn't make sense to me, and I don't think it made sense to Katie either. No, it didn't because strength training was the number one thing that helped me feel better all the time. <laughs> like that has, in terms of any joint discomfort or anything that I was feeling, um, as long as I'm activating my muscles in some fashion every day, I feel great. Yes. And um, so I went and PR'd my deadlift right after leaving. <laughs> I think I got 455, which was my all-time max after being told I'm not supposed to do that. Well, that kind of sounds crazy to me. Like, oh, you are diagnosed with hypermobility EDS. Now go do yoga and stretch? Uh, that yeah. doesn't really... Makes, it doesn't make sense at all. I think geneticists are incredible at what they do, but probably exercise advice is maybe not their, he was their a, specialty. He yeah. was a heavier man, and <laughs> I'm not sure that exercise was something that he's too familiar with. With all that being said, I heard someone say, like, I don't think it should be called hypermobility. I think it should be called hyperflexibility. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that because mobility is, as you both know is the control of your range of motion. Yes. And in a hyper mobile quote air quotes here, hyper mobile person, they have very little proprioception. Their mm-hmm. joints move into ranges that other people don't, you know, other people's joints don't. And they don't realize that they're in that, that range of motion because they don't get the same kind of neural feedback about where their body is in space. So there's a lot of issues with the proprioception and needing to, to build an understanding of those movement patterns and really kind of just start over. And that was, that was my issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want you to dive a little more into this proprioception thing because you kind of explained it a little bit, but in even plainer English, can you explain to us what proprioception is? We've talked about it a little bit on previous podcasts and how you can kind of reteach some of that into your tendons and tissues that right now or somebody who is quote hypermobile might not be able to feel right now so proprioception if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you move your arm around you can see where your arm is relative to your body you can see where your hand is um, behind you or in front of you or above you now when you close your eyes and you do the same thing and you move your arm around you move your leg around you're squatting are, do you actually, can you feel where your body is in the space around you versus just being able to see it? So it's, it's the ability when you're not looking in the mirror to actually know what your body is doing and where it is in, in the space around you. So there's a lack of that uh, feedback to the brain when you have hyperflexibility in the body. Yeah. And I think that when we talk back into the weightlifting and when he would tell you, hey, maybe don't do that, it, it sounds super odd to me because the cells that sense stretch and that help us feel proprioception in our body when we put tension on them or when we give it some resistance, it only increases that feedback. So I don't know. I think that's something that's important for us to understand as to how we reintroduce and educate in this proprioception and how we can start to teach our tendons uh, where they might be in, in someone, like you said, who's hyperflexible. I also really like that distinction. You just have a crap ton of mobility um, I always talk about people who have this hyperflexibility, like you have an awesome opportunity here now because you have the mobility. That's the foundation. Now let's get into learning how to control that and be, like you said, functionally mobile through that. So what else can I just have you two dive into your journeys a little more? What else were you starting to work on once you both kind of got this new understanding? Yeah, for me, I mean, that's really where I started to fall in love with Pilates. Um, a lot of that work was incredibly helpful for me. 
doing, you know, my movements in front of a mirror or recording myself and really just learning what things felt like. Um, and Andrew really taught me a lot of going back to the very basics on how I was squatting, how I was hip hinging and really looking at the very little details Micro of, movements. The, yeah, of the movements um, and rebuilding that back up uh, and just gradually adding weight. I can kind of understand his word of caution maybe um, because someone who is hyper flexible, if they all of a sudden, you know, go join CrossFit and just jump into it with really no background or understanding of the way that they're moving, mm -hmm. I can definitely see where they would be more prone to injury um, probably than someone who's not. But, uh, but yeah, for me, that was very helpful. Any balance work was really great for me. And then um, I had worked with a functional neurologist a little bit with some eye exercises, which actually were incredibly helpful for me also. I did CrossFit for five, six years. I haven't done CrossFit in 2020 because everything's closed. But um, I just recall some people coming into the gym and being obviously hyper-flexible and just being taught to throw this weight around and – not progressively, not doing it slowly, not starting with very basic ground-based movements, but like doing overhead Olympic lifts and just watching their body kind of flop and flail around without them really being able to control that motion. Yes, I would say that would eventually lead to some, some issues down the line. Yeah. And I think um, functional range conditioning, we, we had done some FRC training and incorporating that work has been incredibly beneficial as well. And I really like their philosophy and that they, you know, they stress the importance of, you know, um, decreasing that gap between the active range of motion and passive range of motion. Yeah. And that's hitting exactly what you guys were, you know, tapping into, which was building that proprioception through, through the, through the range and putting tension back into your mobility rather than just getting that hyper flexibility kind of aspect of being able to go into extreme ranges. Yes, totally. Um, so I, I've actually experienced a lot of like pain and discomfort since I was, uh, five years old and I've had a lot of chronic injuries over, over the years. And it wasn't until Katie kind of pointed me in the direction of the geneticist that all of that stuff started to make sense because it's not normal to have pain that lasts six months to a year when you're eight years old. And that a lot of those just issues really kind of hit home for me when I finally hit my, my lower back injury. My, was it L4, L5, was it 10, 10 millimeter herniation? And that was creating a ton of sciatica down both legs. And that kind of forced me to focus on those little, those little movements that I should have focused on a long time ago, but didn't really know that. And when I was injured and I wasn't getting help um, from Kaiser, I, I could only see them once every two months for 15 minutes for physical therapy. <laughs> Crazy. I, I had to focus on any movement that I could do because I didn't really lift or move for a couple of years. So I, I would just do super basic, simple movements that kind of hurt a little bit, but really just taught me the motions of my body. And as a result, um, I obviously have a lot of fancy movement patterns that, that you guys have seen on social media, but that didn't come just naturally. I had to spend a good two years, three or four years working on that stuff. When can someone kind of look into, when should I be looking into this? Do I have hypermobility? How would I know? Because you guys were also bringing up, is it the bait and scale? Can you talk people through like a few of the things that, like, can you touch your thumb to your wrist? Those little things. I think that's one of them, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, yeah, bending 
your thumb back to, to meet your wrist, um, being able to bend over and put your palms flat on the floor. The skin, being able to, you know, they assess the stretchiness of the skin, which may... in the bait and skill. My, what was interesting is my geneticist used totally different tests, tests than the, the bait and score online. Like he even looked at my, the second digit on my big toe pointing outward, <laughs> but the first digit points straight. So my toe is essentially straight, but the second digit turns outward a lot compared to, you know, a normal person. Um, he used my limb length. So my arms and legs are a little bit off from each other. My legs are longer. And I guess that's another little sign. Yeah, with the bait and score, um, pulling the little finger back beyond 90 degrees. So like pulling it back toward you. Would a hitchhiker's thumb be like when you can really like bend your, your thumb back a lot? Yeah, if it's like pointing back toward your face when you do the hitchhiker thumb. Yeah. And like you said, these are kind of just some of these party tricks that people will do like, oh, look what I can do. I can hold my hands and you know ter- put it all the way behind my back and then back in front of me. And they're like the Gumby tricks, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, Being double jointed. Um, everyone has different tricks too, so I'm not sure. Like the yeah. bait and scale is kind of subjective, I guess. Mm. What does double jointed mean? I think because <laughs> that is something that people throw out a lot. Yeah, I think just being able to. So, like uh, your fingers, for example, the last knuckle closest to your fingertip. Like if that bends backward, that's always been what I've seen referenced as double jointed. Yeah, like definitely a lot. We have a friend who who can grab a glass, um, bending the hand in the opposite direction. So her fingers will actively extend in the opposite direction. She can pick up oh, a glass yeah. of water that way. Wow. <laughs> so, wild. so that would be just another another example of double jointedness, which doesn't exist. You're just your ligaments are incredibly relaxed and you're able to move beyond your normal, the, the quote, normal range of motion. And that's, I think, something that's important because so many people will come in and say, oh, I'm double jointed. And they almost <laughs> say it like they're using it as this, quote, excuse or reason for why they get pain in their shoulder or whatever. That's, oh, I'm double jointed. My shoulder pops out all the time. It just happens. And people like start to accept that this is just the truth and this is what's going to happen for the rest of my life. Every time I pick up a pail of water that's over you know, 10 pounds, my shoulder's going to slip out. But like, what would you say to people who are listening who are like, oh yeah, I'm double jointed and that's why my knee pops in this weird way? If I'm double jointed, which I guess I could say that I am for multiple areas of my body, it's definitely kind of a, a blessing in disguise. You can, you're basically just cheated your way to being super flexible and you have the opportunity to really build strength in that slowly using band work and, you know, tiny weights and small range of motion at the start, and then slowly building strength into actually using that full range of motion that you have. And you'll achieve um, greater control of your body than someone that is tighter, that's really trying to get more flexibility so that they can get into those ranges. You kind of get to cheat your way there, but at the same time, you still need to, to learn how to build strength in those areas. Yeah, I think encouraging people to to um, to change the way that they're looking at that. Um, you know, there's always a silver lining to everything. So, for example, our blood pressure is very low. We put more salt on our foods. I was actually told by my doctor to salt my foods more heavily. So that's great. You know, you get to do cool things with your body. Um, but you know, the this idea that you just accept your fate or the cards that were dealt to you. Um, 
is not something that I encourage people to do. I think there's always, always, always room for education and improvement. Um, and I think that all of those, those kind of challenging experiences are ultimately what lead to growth and knowledge and the ability to help other people. So. We, we did a podcast with the EDS community. And something that Katie told me is actually that a lot of those people in the genetics office at the, the doctor will actually kind of wear a lot of braces, like elbow braces, wrist braces, um, knee neck, braces, neck, neck braces. <laughs> neck braces, necks are usually very floppy, like a chicken for athletic cranial cervical instability. So you'll walk into those offices and see those people wearing braces and that's, they've been prescribed braces and not really being prescribed this end range work, which I've found to be incredibly helpful for both of us. And uh, like FRC functional range conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to kind of talk to them about like, no guys, you need to actually work on building strength and loading your body to some capacity, not, not a one rep max back squat, but just getting a little bit of, uh, you know, muscle tension built up in the body with some added weight. And it's been something that that whole community is very kind of afraid of. And they, they love to talk about the things that they really can't do or the pains that they have. And it's almost like they're trying to one up each other on the issues that they have. And it's an opportunity for all of them to really take advantage of the situation and um, improve it over, over a period of time. And I think that's important for people to realize that it takes time, <laughs> you know, it's for anything. I, I think this is always our message of consistency and and compliance with it in terms of finding what is working for you and then being willing to work on it little by little over time. Uh, now, one of the things that I hear a lot as well in this community is I've been diagnosed with hypermobility, but I feel super tight and restricted throughout my whole body. Why might that be happening? And is that a person where, you know, someone says, oh, well, go do yoga, go do something, you know, stretchy, and that's going to make you feel better? Will it? Yes. Yeah, so um, in my experience, and this was also something that Andrew had helped me with, um, when I met him, I told him my hamstrings are always tight. They're always tight. You know, I get pain. And I bent over and, you know, put my hands flat on the floor with like a flat back, like no, no rounding my back or anything. He's like, your hamstrings are not tight <laughs> You strengthen them and quit stretching them. And I listened to him and did that. And it, it helped me just exponentially. I think that when like my take on it is that when the joints are looser and then you stretch them, it's like you can kind of get this um, reaction where everything clamps down, like the, the muscles feel tight because they're getting kind of protective of that joint that's getting kind of overstretched. And when you stop that stretching and like stop sending the body like the signal that it's in danger so that it can relax and quit doing that and then strengthen, um, that has been just massive for me in terms of change in a lot of areas, including even my pelvic floor um, has, you know, working on, on strength and stability in my pelvis has helped with, with getting those muscles to relax as well. Yeah. The, the stretch reflex is neurological and it doesn't mean that the muscle can't stretch beyond that point. It's your body saying, Hey bud, you rarely go to this point. You never really let the muscle stretch this far. You don't seem to use it much. So I don't think that you're ready to go there. So when it comes to the, the stretch reflex for anybody, 
it just comes down to then training it a tiny bit, a little nanometer further every time you train so that your body gets used to lengthening that muscle. And also people for the hamstrings, for instance, training the hamstring in a shortened position, uh, that would be a, a rail, I guess, um, in a shortened position is something that a lot of people don't do too often. They might do hip hinging and, and lengthened leg work, but in terms of strengthening a shortened position, that seems to do a lot of good for people that have that chronic uh, tightness in the hamstrings. Can you give a little example of what that might be or look like? That would be like pulling your heel to your butt and holding it there with your hamstring muscle, not holding it there with your hand, but actually pull, you could use your hand to kind of pull the, the heel to your butt and then let go of your leg and try to use your hamstring to hold it there. Yeah, that's a good one. I know there's lots of cramping that happens a lot. Like when you do a couch stretch for the quad and then you have someone pull in and and contract and hold. I love that one. And I always tell people it gets better with time, but you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. And people get, they definitely get afraid of cramping. And I know that as someone with EDS, I've cramped in all the joints when I've worked on end range work, just because I have, I have the capacity for it, but I don't have the strength for it. And that cramping is kind of the opposite of the stretch. It's still saying, hey, dude, you never use the muscle in this shortened range of motion and you start to fire the muscle differently and you kind of get this awkward response from the muscle and it's causing this cramping sensation, which gets better and you can massage the area to make it feel better before or after you do it as well. But you don't need to be fearful of it. No, no, exactly. Yeah. I, I like bringing that up because like you said, it's kind of the opposite of that stretch, you know, and, and we really are all just sitting somewhere on this spectrum of how tight or how flexible those muscles are. I, I, I love the super oversimplification of a PT's job, which is if it's tight, stretch it. If it's stretchy, strengthen it. Or, you know, you know, if make the tight things a little more stretchy and make the stretchy things a little more tight. And again, vast overcomplication of the situation here. But like you guys are saying, if you have a ton of mobility and you're putting your palms on the ground and your hamstrings are still talking to you, give them more feedback, load them a little bit, and maybe that maybe that's your fix. Um, you guys have also talked a little bit more about, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up that I, I love when you, I think the first time you were on our podcast, Andrew, shout out. I think you're the first person to come back on for a second time. So <laughs> you, must be a, you must be a big deal or something. Um, but you talked about how like, really, really complicated movements like a bridge. <laughs> like when you're just thinking about like the normal bridge exercise, lifting your butt up. Can you explain why you call that such a complicated movement and why it's important to kind of think of the way we move in that way? So at the beginning of this talk, we kind of talked about, or near the beginning, we talked about like micro movements. Katie had mentioned the thing that helped her a lot was being taught these like tiny little micro movements for each joint of the body and each movement that your body can make. Now, when you do a bigger movement, bigger in air quotes, like a bridge, and you start to use all of these little micro movements throughout the body, your brain goes on overload. You're like, wait, I need to figure out what my toes are doing, as well as what my pelvis is doing, my breathing patterns, am I breathing into my diaphragm, my chest, my breathing in all directions, uh, are my shoulder blades kind of activated, pulled down, you know, we call it uh, upwardly rotated and protracted as my head in uh, a neutral position or is it bending back? 
So when you're doing these simple movements, you can over, you can not, well, you can overcomplicate them, um, but you can just add a lot more thought to them to make them more effective. And no, it doesn't have to be done perfectly like this. And I don't think you should move like a robot at all. At the same time, it is really neat to think about what every aspect and every movement of your body is doing. And you're going to burn a lot more calories and <laughs> you're going to get a lot more out of the movement when you have your entire body active. And go ahead, Katie. Uh, it's just a really, it's kind of a, a mindfulness approach for me anyway, when yes. you're that concentrated on what you're doing, that you're focusing on each area of your body and your movements, it really, you can't not be present during that time. So it ends up being kind of a workout for your brain as well, <laughs> um, which is great. Yeah, yeah. It keeps. I mean, it does essentially what meditation would do. I was just going to say intention over everything, you know, when it comes to movement, why are we doing it? What is it really the intention of movement for it? And I think a lot of people go into exercise with an end result intention of how you want to look, but not really what you're doing in the moment. And I think what you guys do. Yep. I love the way you explain that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're really bringing people back into what is supposed to be happening and the true why and what in which we do movement, which I think is so so incredible and what you guys do all the time on social media as well. And I do want to just like touch because we have a lot of people who come here as well, you know, looking for support in other areas. They obviously were people to come to in, in terms of musculoskeletal stuff. But if people are dealing with a lot of gut issues, if they're dealing with eye issues, is this something to like, how do they start to look into these things? Because most people are like, where are my hormones and what supplements do I need to take? And you know, how, is this stuff that you guys deal with as well? Our program covers um, all of the kind of what we consider the pillars of health. But if someone's concerned specifically in terms of like flexibility or hypermobility, there's a book called um, the Joint Hypermobility Handbook by Dr. Tinkle, who is, um, it's a funny name, I know, but he is, uh, he's an expert on connective tissue disorders. And, and that book does a really great job of breaking it down by body system in a way that's real simple to understand for people. Um, so I think that's a great resource as well. Oh, that's awesome. So you mentioned your program and that you, there's ways that you guys help people through your program. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and what you guys do with that? Sure. So the program, as Katie mentioned, has uh, the, the five pillars of health, which are pretty broad. Um, one of them being movement. So all forms of movement, not one particular type. Nutrition, uh, diving into all of the macro and micronutrients and we're, we're diet agnostic, so you can be a vegan or you can be a carnivore or whatever. And um, it, it works for everyone in that regard. Really just looking at nutrition as, you know, nourishment for the body, not something where you're punishing yourself or restricting yourself, but really just how you can best nourish your body. I'm trying to get the more, most wholesome foods possible. Then we have the mindset component, which I would think is probably the more important thing out of all of the pillars because the other pillars are kind of dependent on your mindset and the negativity that you, that we all, especially during 2020, throw at ourselves constantly. Restoration. Restoration, our sleep and how we're, how we're taking care of ourselves, you know, breathing okay. patterns, uh, recovery, cold showers, ice bath, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the last one's environment, which is obviously it includes the sun and getting enough vitamin D as well as 
the, the stuff that you're using in your household, the types of plastics and metal, the types of water that you might be drinking, looking at those kinds of things. And then your relationships fall into environment, which is incredibly important and goes along, kind of blends in with the mindset component. Oh, that's amazing. And I really love listening into people's approach as to how they teach this whole health type model. Um, you two people being people that I respect so much in the way that you present your information and your education. I love that the first three things you start out with, my three that I coach people in or my three pillars are mindset, movement, and meals. And that really, you know, parallels the first three things that you um, said. And then of course, all the other things you do with recovery and sleep and breath work are things Jen and I talk about like on all of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where can people find this too? You can go to spreadwealth.com. The company's name is Wealth and it's spelled W-Health. So spreadwealth.com. And we also have our Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn, all those things also spread wealth. The other thing is that we really, we know that that's a lot of information and it's pretty <laughs> daunting to work on all those areas. So it is essentially a habit formation company. We're going to be building, we already have one program that's the foundations and we're going to be building several others to help you stick with building these tiny little habits so that you can actually make improvements in all of these areas at once. And we find that, that and just stick with it and stick with it. Be consistent. We find that makes uh, massive gains for the person in, in many aspects. That is the key, <laughs> truly. I mean, every everything that I think healthcare professionals should be working on is behavior change and really how can we, you know, create sustainable. So you guys keep it simple. I know you said that, which is great and, and really life-changing environmental factors. And I think you guys are really, you're really doing it. You're a true example of how you live into it and what you show up as on a daily basis. So thank you guys for setting that example, continuing to work on yourself and so that you can continue to help other people. I think, you know, I'm just very appreciative of you two as humans and glad that we get to connect and learn from you guys. Thank you so much. Likewise. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's very motivating and inspiring to to watch other people that are like-minded. Um, so Dom, I saw your um, lake, swimming in the lake in Minnesota <laughs> in the freezing cold, <laughs> stuff like that is, it's great to see other people living that way. Um, I also like seeing when like you pile up a bunch of pillows. <laughs> With so many pillows on the bed. It's like the freaking Da Vinci code, figuring out how you put them back every morning. I don't know. Definitely entertainment for me. <laughs> they did a story piling up all the pillows. And I, what was the picture of? But the it was like at the top, it looked like whatever was in the picture was sitting on top of the pillows. <laughs> the elephant pillow. It was a pillow. Per perched, at, perched atop. <laughs> So I, I like that goofy stuff. <laughs> yeah, we like to have fun along the way. You gotta have fun. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you guys haven't already, go to Katie and Andrew's pages, follow them on Instagram, check out what they're doing with their programming, um, spreading wealth. I love it because wealth needs to come from the information, the education, the tools that we build within ourselves to continue growing our optimal body. Look at all these drops I'm having right now. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, thanks for being on. We can't wait to keep in touch with you guys in the future, see what you guys are doing and keep learning from you. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. 
And there we have it, yet another amazing guest on the Optimal Body Podcast. So now what we ask of you, if you loved any bit of that or resonated with it, go share it out, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, because you know there are more people out there that would resonate with it just the same. Also, subscribe, rate, review on your favorite podcast app so we know what you want to learn or other guests that you think we should bring on for you in the future. Keep tuning in to find your optimal body.